What up, everybody? We're back with another episode, and the bench is light today. Um, staff is light. It's me. Painter's on the listen because he's working, passing out beers, and Bosco sticks at the rink. Moise is laying a line. Connor's working at goalie school, so it's uh, it's slim pickings, and you're stuck with me. But the good news is intro is short, and I'm very excited about our first upcoming guest, but I wanted to talk real quickly about Drip Drop. Uh, check out Drip Drop. Check out, we got the discount code in the bio. In terms of hydration, 75% of people every day operate dehydrated. They go through their everyday life and in, in a dehydrated state. Uh, drip Drop, the thing that I love about it is the way it drinks. Um, you don't have that like overly, I forget what that word's called, that sweetener. It starts with an S, but like that overly sweet taste. Uh, it's not a ton of sugar and it gives you all the vitamins and electrolytes that you need to get throughout the day. Um, so be sure to check out the bio. Uh, use the code 15% off. And then if you have any questions, shoot us a DM, but make sure to tell your friends to like, follow and subscribe to the show. And uh, if you tell one person every day, our subscriber numbers are going to jump exponentially and we'll start giving away free shit. But uh, let's kick it over to the interview. Welcome into the pop all the way from Schiller Park, Illinois. He's a Calder Cup champion. He's going to the National League. It's Ryan Schofer. Ryan, how are you? Great. How are you? Oh, dude. <laughs> you want the real answer? <laughs> um, We're just trying to get to game one, man. But I mean, on a lighter side, how are you? You got to be pretty um, pumped. Yeah, I'm great. It's It's been a little bit of a stressful about a week and a half now, but uh, I'm pretty excited to get out there. So for those of you that don't know, Ryan was it was nine years with the with the Wolves. Yeah, this would be ninth year or yeah, ninth year, tenth season. Ninth year, tenth season. And previously before that, it was three with the steel in the USHL, yes. right? Okay. Yeah. So we'll call it uh we'll call it ten with the uh with the wolves. But this year, the big change is what? We are well, the wolves are independent. Yes. But for you. Oh, for me. Well, I am joining the Pittsburgh Penguins this year. That's incredible, buddy. And I can't be more <laughs> happy for you. That's exciting. Um, so going to Pittsburgh, you've been in the AHL. There's a lot of things to talk about. But uh, with the current stuff, I mean, now that you are going from the Chicago Wolves to an NHL team, going to Pittsburgh, you're going to a new city. You grew up in Chicago. You've been talking about, well, you talked about this. Uh, this last week's been a little bit crazy. What transpires from the moment that you sign with Pittsburgh to go be go work in their equipment staff what have you done so far um well immediately it was getting in contact with my new boss and kind of figuring out okay like what uh what are we looking at as far as like travel um like what is it going to take to me to get out there yep so like we're trying to get we it's like an immediate like trying to get out of our lease here um trying to find a mover trying to get situated because we have two cats here. So figuring out when, uh, who's taken what as far as cats, but I think she's taken both of them because I think it'll be a little tough having them separate. So, yep. and then, uh, yeah, we just, I think earlier today we had approved for a house. So, um, it's little processes like that. And it, it happens so fast too, man. It's like a whirlwind, right? Well, yeah, it was like I don't know, almost the whole entire month before I really knew whether whether I got the position or not. So it was like sitting on pins and needles for three and a half weeks, almost <laughs> the entire month. 
And then, you know, once it happens, everything happens and feels like a day. Yeah. On top of the fact that you're preparing for a season where the Chicago Wolves, uh, you know, the American League team are about to go independent, which throws not a wrench, but it, there's a lot of changes that obviously you and I've talked about, you know, pretty in depth that like a, a lot of things do change. Um, but no, it's 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 all exciting stuff. How much of a pain in the ass was it trying to get out of your current lease? Um, actually, it. I mean, it, it, it's a big headache, honestly, because um, there's no real give, right? They don't care about what reasons you have. No, they tell you to fly a kite. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's insane. So like I walk into the office with the leasing lady that we deal with and um, I tell her we have to get out of our lease because, you know, I'm moving and there's nothing I can do about it. So there's, you know, see ya basically. But um, she's like, well, we require a 60 day notice. I'm like, okay, well, there was nothing in my power that was going to allow me to do that. So there's two months. And then, uh, she also includes that we have to do another two months of rent after that. What? So they're like requesting like, it's like four months of rent at once. So just to get out of our lease, it's kind of putting a wrench into things. So that was a kind of a headache, but. Are you guys able to sublet? I think we can, but it's not worth the headache. I mean, especially with how fast we got to leave. Yeah. I mean, I don't have anyone to really um, step in or anything and, I mean, I don't think they'll have a problem finding anyone to take this uh, this apartment over, but um, yeah, I, I don't really know how that process would really work. Yeah, I guess that's a stupid question because no one's going to need an apartment for <laughs> uh, four <laughs> months, right? Yeah. So that, that puts them in a shit spot. Um, but no, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know, dealing with the leases and stuff and subletting and like trying to get in and out of that stuff is always a pain in the ass. Um, but no, right. I wanted to talk to you about your start because I think from the equipment side, I think for the listeners, it's always interesting to talk about. And I had read your big thank you and, you know, uh, the turning your page post and everything and going to Pittsburgh. But it, you, you mentioned that you started out just, you know, filling water bottles like uh, a stick boy kind of thing. It Did you... You've always been in Chicago, born and raised pretty much? Yes. Uh, I grew up here since day one. So I, I haven't moved. I mean, I've moved once in my life and I make the joke because it was two houses over. So <laughs> it wasn't really much of a move, but yeah, um, I've been here forever. So when you were, how did you start out? Did you like, how do you even get in? Cause that's what the one thing I don't know. How do you even get into a team to help out and fill waters or move sticks or like help out on game days as like a kid? Well, it was for me, at least it was a little bit of a fortunate right place, right time. So my dad, first of all, worked for Gunzo's for like 22 years. I, for anyone who would know that name, yep. um, they're a local uh, hockey store here in Chicago. Um, really popular amongst people who've been around hockey forever. So, but my dad worked there for about 22 years and then um, he was working at um Bensonville at the edge. And, uh, I was working, I started working there when I was like 14, 15, just kind of coming after school and doing that thing. And one of the, one of the uh, employees there actually applied to be the head equipment manager for the steel because the steel were still out of Bensonville at the time, yep. um, under the old ownership. And, uh, so he was kind of doing that back and forth. He'd work part-time in the shop and then he'd go and do, you know, stuff with the steel. 
And I just kind of asked him like, Hey, do you guys need game day help? Like, I don't know, just give me something extra to do kind of be around hockey a little bit more, kind of see that side of things. And, uh, he said, yes. So it was me and my buddy kind of just doing water bottles, um, hanging around the rink. And then eventually about a year later, kind of just joining him as his assistant. So, um, it was kind of just like, like I said, it's a little bit of a fortunate time, but I mean, to kind of just kind of walk off, I mean, not walk off the street, but in that sense to kind of just fill water bottles for a team, you kind of have to just know people, which unfortunately that's just the way it's been. So, yeah. Well, no, I think at the same time though, I don't, you're not, we're not going to go, you know, put out a indeed, you know, job listing for a kid to come in and help out and like move sticks, you know, pick up tape and things like that. So it's one of those spots where you're not going to make a ton doing this. You might make a few bucks and get to sell some stuff. But uh, I think it's a great way to like let somebody get in the room because that's one of those major things with, you know, working in, in, in a hockey locker room or any sports locker room. But to be able to get inside, you have to develop trust and you have to know how to like uh, not work it, but how like the ins and outs where you can be, where you can't be things you should be doing, things you shouldn't be doing. You know, when you go in, when you go out, that kind of thing. So uh, you have to find someone I think you can trust to even just learn this. And then being in there, you can make a couple of mistakes and hopefully figure out, oh, like, hey, maybe I shouldn't be around here at this time or when coach is talking or, you know, things like that. Like you think like the stupidest things. And I'm sure you've seen it with like, you know, new visiting room guys and stuff like that. Like you make mistakes and you tell them, hey, like you can't do it. You know, you can see their, you know, their soul leave their body like, oh, shit, I fucked up. Right. Yeah. It definitely happens. Um, so then after you transitioned into that, you were the assistant there. Uh, did you, how did you end up with the Wolves? So another kind of uh, little side story. So my boss, the head equipment guy with the steel at the time, he actually stepped in to help, help the Wolves one year while their head equipment manager was sick. He was like in and out really sick throughout the year. So he stepped in to help them. And just kind of by proxy the following year, he's like, Oh, he's like, well, you know what? He's like, um, he's like, I'll have to get you to a Wolves game. He's like, we'll have, you know, maybe you can fill water bottles over there, kind of see what that's like. I'm like, yeah, sure. No problem. And fortunately the following year, yeah, me and my buddy who were still working with the steel came to a few games, we're filling water bottles on game days and that kind of thing. Um, and then honestly, there's a little bit of a gap so about, I don't know, 2010, I would say, um, I wasn't with the steel and I was kind of just deciding whether I wanted to go back to school, what I really wanted to do, wasn't sure, kind of like in that tweener situation. Um, so I was in and out of a few jobs, kind of, you know, dipping my toes into different things. And at the time I was working in the warehouse for, for, for Forever 21. It was uh, <laughs> no way. horrible. <laughs> Horrible. Honest to God, not to be mean, but I don't know how that company is like organizes anything. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, crazy. I was, yeah, but it was, it was really, really random. Cause I'm just standing there or not standing there, but I'm thinking, man, I really want to get back into hockey. And it was like in August or maybe even September of that year of 2014, 2015. And I had text um, one of the former assistants uh, Dan Mulligan and seeing if they needed help filling water bottles again. Cause I just kind of wanted to be around the rink again. Like I just kind of had that itch and I'm just, 
wondering like maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there's something, you know, maybe I should go back or try and try and get into that again. So I start doing that in about November. Um, they had that unfortunate incident in Chicago. Um, and the assistant was DJ Kogut at the time. And he got, um, he basically got the call up to the Blackhawks. Yep. And so that left the gap there and with the Wolves. And I just kind of, one day, I just kind of told um, the head guy at the time, like, well, would you mind if I threw my name in the hat? Mm-hmm. And at the time he's like, well, he's like, you probably make more money at your job. And I'm like, actually, no, I don't. Um, and it was just kind of like a joke. Um, so he's like, yeah, why not? Because you, I, he knew me from before kind of just being around the rink. I already knew how to do basically all the repair stuff just from my dad through the years growing up, yep. um, hanging around guns all the time, and, um, that kind of thing at a young age. Um, and so we went on a, actually, it's funny. It was almost like a tryout. We went to Grand Rapids for like an overnight trip and, um, DJ just kind of sat back and kind of just watched me try and do my thing and everything worked out great. And they were like, yeah, no problem. Like, let's do this. So from that point on, I became the assistant in Chicago and, uh, basically the rest is history. That's really cool though, man. Like, but like you said, that you became a candidate. Why? Because you had been there. There's a level of trust already. You have an understanding. So we don't have to teach, you know, somebody fresh what they can and can't do. But like you said, it's a mix of right place, right time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it honestly is. And I mean, again, fortunate for me, I can't say it any other way, but um, it, it, that's how, kind of how it happens. You know, yeah. you just, you, you learn to know the right people and you make, you know, you make good with those people and gain trust amongst those people. And yeah. you just never know when a position might open up or, you know, somebody needs help somewhere. Yeah. And uh, maybe you're in the point in your life where you can do that. And maybe it's not, but usually it's, it's just always good to have those kind of relations because you just never know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, what I wanted to go back to was forever 21. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that place is such a disaster. And I think they still operate. I think maybe they filed for bankruptcy, but how did you land into that? Were you just looking for anything? Well, yeah. So me and my buddy, Danny, um, at the time we were working in funny enough, we were in the warehouse for total hockey. Okay. So that was actually in Schiller park at the time. Yeah. And we were kind of, uh, supplying all the, the Chicago land stores with product and yeah. kind of transfer all that kind of thing. Um, and he ended up leaving and getting the manager. Like at the time he was like assistant manager, manager with the warehouse with total hockey. And at the time he got, he ended up applying for forever 21, got the lead managing position with that warehouse and for forever 21. And I was just kind of like, not over it, but I'm just like, there's really nothing here. Like you can't move up unless you go to a store. And I really, really didn't want to be in like sales mm-hmm. and service, that kind of thing, just because I knew, I, I knew what that life was like working in the pro shop in Bensonville. And it just, it just kind of, doesn't not that it rubs you the wrong way, but I'm always, I was always been like the hands-on guy. So when it came to repairs, when it came to sharpening, that kind of thing, I loved it. That was always the thing I liked to do. Yeah. So I just knew I didn't want to go back into sales. So I really didn't want to go to a store. Yeah. Um, and he just kind of said, he's like, well, we're hiring. He's like, this is an empty warehouse. It's just starting up. It's brand new. And, uh, 
yeah, I threw my application in and he hired me because he was the manager at the time. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a very odd experience. I mean, brand new warehouse. Um, what originally started to be like a Chicagoland distribution center just became like a garbage dump for all the uh, Forever 21 stores that were closing. Um, <laughs> so they'd get like all like the big massive, like uh, what do you call it? Like structures that they would put mannequins on and you'd get yeah. the mannequins and like all this stuff. And we would ask like a corporate in California, like, what do you do? And they're like, we'll just get rid of it. Like, so we're like ordering 40 foot dumpsters to try and get rid of this stuff. And you know, like it ended up being like a, like a, uh, what do you call those? Like smash rooms. Yeah. It, that's what it ended up feeling like. Cause you're just sitting there breaking glass, breaking structures. Like it, it was, it was so, it was kind of goofy. <laughs> that's incredible. Um, but no, I, I could see why being from Chicago and around that time. I mean, what, what year were you working out of the toil hockey warehouse? That would have been 2013. Yeah. I think so, I was there a full year. Because because so. within that time frame, like I even had a year where I worked at uh, played against sports in Crystal Lake. So like I, I've I've been kind of been all over the map yeah. as far as like Chicago land goes anyway. <laughs> but um yeah, I'm pretty sure that would have been 2013. I'm pretty pretty positive because I would have been it would have been 2013 to 2014. And my I actually started right February, right at All-Star break in 2015. Um, cause my thinking is, is, uh, that 2010, well, you, when, whenever they got Kaner and Taze was like, oh, eight, oh, nine. And you could see mm -hmm. like, oh, Chicago's getting good. And my buddy who grew up in, um, uh, is it Hinsdale or Hillsdale? Hinsdale? Hinsdale, probably. Hinsdale, yeah. one of the suburbs. He grew up in Hinsdale and he's like, when we were growing up, my dad would get his $20 upper bowl tickets and you'd go walk and sit down in the glass. These are like the early 2000s, you know, late 90s, because like the Blackhawks were garbage and you sat <laughs> wherever you wanted. And then 2010, 2013 happened. Everybody's playing hockey. Uh, the Chicago landscape has changed where everybody's got a AAA team now. And like you and I both know what comes with that in Chicago with money and hockey. You know, those the people walking in total hockey aren't always the, uh, the your, your favorite people you want to see every day, right? No, it's funny because, yeah, they're definitely not the same people you really want to see every day. But it's also, I mean, they're the ones spending all the money. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. nuts, like, what we would see because Total Hockey is the business. Like, it, around that area, around that time, I mean, they're kind of gaining traction and their footing in the sales business. And they're, like, expanding, like, every summer, probably two to three stores every summer. And they would pretty much back off of, like, the old or whatever released last year. So it would keep funneling forward. So like we would get probably like 25 pallets of Bauer learn to play equipment and it would get distributed all over the, all over the place just because hockey was so big here at the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, but I can completely see where you don't want to end up uh, working in the storefront there, um, <laughs> but no show. I wanted to ask you, so coming out, like, did you grow up playing hockey then? No. So that's, that's, I guess another funny thing is my brother, uh, me and my brother are 17 years apart. Oh, so there's wow. a huge okay. gap. So <laughs> yeah, he was like 17 slightly. when I was born. <laughs> right. So he grew up playing hockey. My parents did the whole, you know, travel hockey thing with him, playing like Addison Flames. And I think he played TI, like a bunch of different places. Yeah. And uh, it was like, unfortunately, like his senior year of high school, um, 
some, I don't know exactly. Um, I'd have to ask him again, but it was something to do. Like he went into the corner and kind of got pinned in between two guys and uh, tours MCL or ACL or something. Um, and back then in the nineties, like surgeries were kind of garbage. So they're like, Hey, this really, might work. This might not. <laughs> yeah. So he kind of came out of that one, like didn't really work and kind of just ruined him from that point on. But he was like, it, it sucked for him because he was really looking forward to go to St. Mary's at the time um, to go play hockey there. And unfortunately it just didn't work because yeah. I mean, he could skate, he could kind of play again, but it just never got better. Never got to the point where he was prior. Yeah. So, so then you never ended up, cause I, I remember when you posted when you guys wouldn't call there, which I want to get into, but you had <laughs> never played like high school sports or anything like that. So I was just curious where the ties into hockey came in. Obviously your dad working in it was one, but like typically a lot of kids grow up playing and then they're like, Oh, I want to stay with hockey. Yeah. I mean, me and my dad, my dad working, you know, uh, I don't, I forget what it was before Johnson sporting goods was like the big thing back in the early nineties or eighties. Okay. Even Dad worked there sales, you know, stuff like that out of Franklin park. And then was with guns was for so long. Like I would just kind of go with him in the mornings, go to work and, I don't know. I mean, I was really young, but I remember there was a couple of times where I would just like fall, like, cause I mean, in the mornings during the week, there's really not many people coming through the, yeah. the shop. No so way. I would take naps underneath the goalie pads, stuff like that. So um, yeah, it, it was just kind of always around. Like our, our family's really hockey oriented. Like my cousin, my cousins played. Um, my uncle was very big into hockey. Um, my dad's uncle, um, actually was big with USA hockey and helped start um, sled hockey. Oh, really? Hockey. Yeah. No way. Um, so, yeah. So he helped do that, but he was huge in the USA hockey with like on the insurance side and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's always just been around our family. So naturally growing up, always being around it, me and my dad would just play uh, rod hockey in the living room. Basically that was kind of it for me. Or I played roller hockey with my friends out in the street. Yeah. I never, never got to play just because it was so expensive at the time. And there was no way my parents was, you know, my parents were going to afford that again. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's definitely, it's not, it ain't cheap, man. Especially where you're at. Ice is ungodly expensive. <laughs> um, but no, man, it's, it's a pretty cool, interesting story. Like were you, was school ever coming out of high school was college or any further education or like even trades, was that ever an option for you? Or were you just kind of in a space for like, I'm going to try a couple different things and figure things out. I mean, it, it was, it's tough because like, I mean, like my, my dad worked out of the, you know, he worked at Gunzo's, worked at Bensonville, didn't matter, but yeah. we, we didn't have anything growing up. Like my parents weren't out here making, you know, 60, 80, a hundred thousand dollars a year. Like they're making minimum wage yeah. just doing what they were doing. So we were just getting by. So really even through high school, it, it, I mean, it sucked because, you know, you get all your friends who are applying to all these colleges and kind of figuring their lives out. And I'm just kind of taking high school year by year. Like, well, I need to just focus on this. Like, I can't tell you what I want to do in three years. I don't know what yeah. I want to go to school for. And I definitely don't want to waste forty, fifty thousand $50,000 on tuition to not like something. You know, yeah. if it's something that I like, I would love to do that. But at the time I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. And, um, I mean, yeah, like trade was always an option, but I just, I, I just couldn't see myself doing something exactly. Like there was nothing really, nothing really like stood out to me growing up and especially through high school. It was just kind of, it, it was a far off thought, Yeah, but 
Well, I, I think there's a lot of people like listening to this can, you know, resonate depending on your age. Like, I mean, even for me, like when I go back to Michigan state, those first two years, like I was like, this is dumb. This is a lot of money. I don't want anything to do with anything that I'm learning. Like I was an econ major, right? I'm like, this is such a waste of time. Like there's gotta be something else out there. But again, at 18, 19, you don't know what that is. You don't know what forever is going to be. And then, you know, junior year, things change. We move into a house that ended up being a lot of fun, just having the parties and stuff. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just get through class. to like <laughs> just stay in school. And then fourth, my fourth year, yeah, like never went to class and me and my buddy Pat, we just went out all the time. So like, that's why I ended up staying in school, but leaving it, like I ended up falling into a nice job, you know, going to school, I guess, got me in the door with Scotty Hughes and Adam. And that's why they let me come intern, which I'm sure they probably, you might, might have second thoughts if I didn't, but <laughs> you know, like it put me in a spot, I guess, where now that I'm talking out loud, it kind of makes sense that I, I was able to get in. But, you know, at the end of the day, does an econ degree from Michigan state necessarily put me to work in hockey? Nah, not really. Right. 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 And at the time I was, I, my, this my senior year I had because things were un, unclear with what Vaughn was going to be and I didn't want to go back to corporate after I interned with Meyer but I was volunteering to help out with do you know Brocker and Snake at the program at all I don't no, deal with them too much um I went and volunteered there and I worked my first tournament five nations just doing gitch laundry jerseys socks making sure room's good and then going into like that spring uh, Brock started let me sharpen a little bit, get my hands on the wheel for like different kids that were, I think I were tryout camp is what it was. And like, that was gonna, that was gonna be my route. I was, if I couldn't work for Vaughn and do, you know, work goalie, I was going to go be an equipment guy. So there was that slight chance that I was going to be calling you and be like, Hey, you need a number two guy in Chicago. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, it's weird how you get in there. And I think there's, you know, there's certain people listening, like everyone always asks me like, Hey, how do I get into hockey? How do I do what you're doing? Or how do I be an equipment guy? And like, it's different for everybody. You hear about locker room attendants, you hear about having a friend, you hear about people to, like uh, the two guys in Florida that were stick boys in Atlanta are now working, you know, they're both in the NHL with the Panthers, you know, and they just had a cup run. So it's all different for all of us, but uh, I think it's fun to talk about, but one of the big things, Ryan, I want to bring up is one call their cop 2022, like <laughs> unbelievable way to cap off what would be, you know, towards the end of your tenure in Chicago. But at that time, we would have never known that. But the the question we got to ask is we had Alex Lyon on mm -hmm. um, twice now and the double birds and that run. What can you talk about our boy, Al? What can I mean, you say? It, it was hysterical because we knew he was catching flack from somebody in the stands like the entire time we were in Springfield against. Yeah. You're playing spring year, right? Which yeah, is a tough in the time. finals. Oh yeah. And I think maybe it rolled over from Stockton just because it was a like, they're not an easy crowd to deal with either. Like Stockton. Really? Yeah. Like, like they love, they love the heat there. Like the fans that do show up, they love their, they loved their team. Okay. Um, so, you know, it rolls over and you kind of just deal with it, but for whatever reason, this guy in the stands in Springfield just got, was just getting to Al and Al just couldn't like, like he just couldn't let it go. Yeah. And um, after we won, it was like the guy had already was giving him the bird during the game and all this stuff. And if you look closely at that photo of uh, everyone rushing lies in the net, the guy, there's a, the guy is in the stands and he's flip. He's, he's giving the finger to Alex. And that's why Alex is giving it back to him. <laughs> he puts his arms back and you can see it. Like it's there. That there, it was, it was definitely called for. Like it was, it, it was there. It was justified. 
So, I mean, and especially like you win like that and you're just kind of, you're feeling like you're on top of the world, you know, for those few moments and like, why not? Right. You're never going to, you're probably the chances of you doing this again is low. Yeah. It's tough. So you want to enjoy it and you want to do whatever you want. So that's kind of exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like you mentioned too, I wanted to ask about is like, you know, lion gets into those zones, right? Like he's in the zone. What is that like from the outside perspective? Because from what Berkey was telling me, when he first turned pro coming out of Yale, going to Lehigh, he was to the point where like, hey, I don't want text messages. Don't call me on game days. Like, I don't want to talk. Kind of one of those guys where it's just like phones off. Nobody, nobody speak to me when I get to the rink, just dialed in. But I think when he went to Chicago, things kind of changed where he's like, I like the position I'm at. I'm a three spot and I'm trying to chase getting into the NHL and finding a way to be a two or a one. But I, I like where he likes his dynamic. And obviously talking about that year too, 21, 22 coming out of COVID, he had a lot of fucked up situations. We talked about that before where like he was supposed to go play, but because something happened in Chicago or something happened in Carolina or COVID or testing or this or that, he was always fucking like, you know, inches away from getting a game with Carolina. Mm-hmm. And it just something always seemed to happen. But yeah. when he was with you, was he like that on game days where like he would kind of like, Hey, everybody fuck off. Or was it, was he still chill or. I mean, it wasn't even really like everybody fuck off. It's just, he just gets into his zone and you know, you just, you just know it. That's him. You know, he gets real quiet. Doesn't really say much in the morning. He'll sit down and have his coffee or, you know, whatever in the morning. And um, my thing with him is what do you need from us on a game day? And he, to his response was, just my skates done before, like before morning skate in the morning. And yeah. we're good. And that's to me, that's exactly what it was. It was always business with him as, on, as far as game days went, because as far as, as long as he had his, his skates done and he needed what he, or he had what he needed, yeah. he was good to go. And it was never like a panic amongst him. Like he was always super calm and super like kind of late. Not, I don't want to say laid back, but he was always like confident in the way he played. And he was awesome that year. Yeah. Yeah, he seems like a as long as he has what he needs, outside of that, it's pretty low maintenance, right? Like he's not coming in, hey, you know, show if I tweak this or I want to make a change to this, or can you sew a fucking nylon strap from the back of my pants to my mask? Like, you know, some guys are like they're always tinkering with shit. I know you deal yeah. with that on the other side. Um But for that run, what was that like for you? And I guess what was that season like as you're going through? Because you can feel it. By December, you can okay things are going right as long as we don't we don't fuck the dog here we can we can keep this shit moving and then winning it how like go through a little bit of that emotion i know it's a little bit ago but what did you feel when you're like holy shit this is coming to you know fruition for me is you know lifting calder cup and winning an ahl championship is not it's not easy by any feat yeah so it was it was kind of wild because you we went into that year after covid and as far as we knew, Carolina was all gung ho about that. We're like, they were like, we're gonna, we're gonna go all the way this year. Like, we want to load up, we want to do whatever we got to do to win. Like, they want, they literally wanted to do whatever they could to win that year. Yeah. Um. So they went out and they signed like everybody. Like you, I mean, you see the roster. I mean, everyone on that roster that year had a redemption story, which makes it even sweeter because if you wrote a, if if anyone were to write a movie about that team, you literally would have a script three hours long. Yeah. Just based on backgrounds alone. I mean, um, like we had Mason, we had Josh Jacobs, we had Paderalski and Levo and 
like it just went on. David Gust, um, Chatfield, it all just kept going on. And um, throughout the year, we had so many weird things happen that no one was really sure. And our head coach, Ryan Warsawski, was so good at being a player's coach and kind of making sure that the guys had their rest or he would talk to the leaders and see how they felt after a long road trip or uh, a three and three, anything like that, like anything they needed, he was really good about understanding, but we had so many weird things happen through that year that no one really, like I say this and it's kind of funny, but no one really knew what it was going to, what was going to happen if we made playoffs because around Christmas, Carolina had a flare up of COVID and they called up a bunch of guys um, from us right before Christmas break. So that kind of like depleted us completely. But to start that whole thing off, we were, so for anyone listening, Rockford from Chicago is 45 minutes to an hour, depending. Me and my assistant, we're in the truck, we're driving and we're about five minutes. We're just getting off the highway to get to Rockford's arena. And I get a call from our GM and he goes, Hey, you got to come back. And I go, what, what do you mean? I go, we're literally just getting off the highway. He's like, no, he's like, Alex needs his gear. He's going up. (laughs) And and like this literally started one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. So not only was it like, we were kind of in a crummy mood because now we had a double back. So we go back, we meet Alex in the parking lot, throw him his stuff. He's like racing the airport. So then we're racing back gear probably was only like half dry. We couldn't get like a call up. And, um, that morning we had back warm, break his hand in morning skate. So now all of a sudden we had no goalies, zero wheels are off going to Rockford, <laughs> literally trying to find anyone. Like we had two goalies coming, coming off the street, essentially like what the one guy pulled his car up and, uh, my assistant Tyler ran outside to grab his stuff out of his car or not Tyler, sorry, uh, Lester yeah. ran outside to grab his stuff out of his car just to get this guy in the building. Who was it? Um, oh my gosh. It's not the Blackhawks e-bugs, is it? Yes. Um, it, well, I think it was him. Him or somebody else. But anyway. Scott Foster? No. Caden Edwards? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was him. Him and then one other person. We literally got, I'm like scrambling to make nameplates. I'm just like, whatever. Like, this is such a wash. And we ended up getting smoked like 7-0. Oh. Like one of the weirdest games, days ever. Yeah. But then to keep, let's just keep going, right? So Caden is backing up and they have this other guy start. He gets hurt next game, Saturday. When Within these three days, this three and three, we had nine goalies. We went through nine goalies in three days. I've never seen anything like it. So every day it was like, okay, who's the next guy? Who's the next guy? I'm throwing a nameplate on a number 30. 30 jersey or 33 or something like six times that like however that ended up working but um and then we go into christmas break everyone's getting called up yeah we have like no team we literally have no one left on our team um everyone's like well i don't know how this is going to work like how how do we even deal with this and again our coach came comes in settles the group down and kind of just you know gets them to the point where they still kind of believe and we can kind of, we can, we'll get through this. There'll be another battle, but we'll get through it. And sure enough, I forget how long it was, but it was like eight or nine games straight. We stole a point out of every single game 
So we're still gaining points with all those guys called up or, or held back because they have like they're testing positive for COVID because uh, the guys that were getting sent back when they were getting tested, they're testing positive, so they can't leave. So now we're like really depleted. Yeah. And yeah, we, we were stealing points every single game for like nine, 10 games straight. Um, then everyone comes back and kind of just go, it went, just went back to business, but it was never, we, we like that group. I don't think as far as the staff went anyway, we never went into a game thinking like we're going to crush this team or we're going to blow this team out. Like it was always just like, I don't know, because it just felt like there was something going on at the time, whatever, whatever game it was. Um, like there was even a time we got stranded in Iowa that year. Like it, it, honest to God, like you could write a, like a, a literal comedy story off this, um, bus breaks down during the second period of our game. Yeah. Bus just locks up. It was like one of the coldest days in Des Moines bus locks up, completely shuts down. They can't get somebody out, um, to fix it. The mechanic is in Chicago. He's like driving halfway here. Um, I don't even know. So he was going to get there and we were going to have to wait for him to get there like two in the morning and we'd drive through the night. Well, that ended up not happening. We ended up getting a hotel and leaving at seven in the morning the next morning. But it was, it's hysterical. We're just, the whole off day was kind of just squished because instead of driving home uh, right after the game, you had to wait till the next morning. So we didn't get home till like noon. Um. And then, um, you go in, we, we get closer and closer to the playoffs and it seems like everything's kind of settled down. Um, but it, it then what was this February? Um, our backup to Alex McAniemi, that's who McAniemi, he went down with an injury and a lot of guys were like, great. Like now we're just down to one goalie. Alex is kind of carrying it for a long time. Don't know what's going to happen. And then we get our essentially diamond in the rough. We get Peter Kochekov come over from Russia. We're going to take a real quick break from the show to talk about one of our presenting uh, sponsors here, and that is Easy Crease. Take your goaltending development to the next level by giving your goalies a crease every drill, as they should have. I'm sure you remember when you were a kid, you're doing half ice stuff and you have no idea where you're at. You're lost, no man's land, wrong turn at Albuquerque, you know, stuff like that. Easy crease quickly and easily gives goalies a crease anywhere on the ice. It works great for small area games, goalie clinics, or just anytime your goalie doesn't have a crease. Be sure to order now at www.easycrease.com, spelled exactly how it sounds, or check them out on Amazon. Back to the show. And one of the funniest stories, like this kid's coming over from Russia. He doesn't speak any English. He doesn't have gear. The, the team wasn't letting him have the gear that he was going to come with. So Carolina's trying to work some, something out with that team to get gear for him. And then we'll send it back after the gear comes in. It was a whole thing. But then he comes in. And if you look back, I mean, from game one, everyone's like, holy cow, who is like, where did he come from? And why has he not been over here? Um, put up great numbers, like 11 and one in his first 12 games or something. Didn't he have a goal too? Uh, no, he didn't have a goal till last season. That was we okay. Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, but um, it was just, it was crazy because then Alex could, you know, he could work off of Peter and yeah. both of them went back to back and really kind of complimented each other the rest of the way. You know, then we lose uh, 
Peter to Carolina before playoffs. So then that kind of set things in a little rough spot. So again, we're kind of like, well, we don't know, right? Can, you know, we got to put all this pressure on Alex, you know, what's going to happen? We don't know. Well, then we end up sweeping Rockford 3-0. Then you go in the second round and you go 4-2 against Milwaukee. Peter comes back, I think right, I think it was towards the end of Milwaukee. Okay. Series, Peter comes back and we go into Stockton, two fresh goalies essentially. Yeah. Um, only losing two games. And from that point on, it was just, I mean, Peter and Alex just kind of like went back to back to back and just kind of put their best efforts out. And it was awesome to watch. Um, we almost went 4-0 against Stockton, lose or end up going uh, 4-2. No, yeah, so three, I don't know. Hold on. <laughs> um, so it was three games to one against Milwaukee and then four games to two against Stockton. I forgot that that second series was best of five. Yep. Um, and then again, same thing in the finals and we went four, we lost the first game one for straight. Yeah. Um, just to kind of go through that, they were like, like just to watch some of the goals and watch some of it, you kind of really feel that, like you said, you kind of know at some point, but you always, like for me, I never, I, I can't get too cocky. I can, I, like personally, I can't. So my thought is always, I don't know. Yeah. And really it's because the year prior, technically the, the last playoffs, we went to the finals against Charlotte and lost. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had that experience a little bit around that first run. So in a way we went back to back finals, get back to the finals and staff wise, we're like a little bit more experienced. I mean, our athletic trainer has been there forever. So he, you know, he's cool. He's not, you know, rattled by anything. Um, but for me, I felt way more comfortable to kind of just do my job and support them going through the finals. Then, then we win. And it, it's hard to put it into words really, because you just don't, you don't know how to really react. At least yeah. I didn't, you know, cause you celebrate, but it's like, you don't really know where to go Yeah, <laughs> in a sense. You're just like, I, I don't know, but it felt incredible because a lot of the, a lot of that work, um, I really felt like I owed to my dad. So it really felt really, really good as a personal feeling, right. Being able to go that whole, uh, that whole run and be able to like essentially bring home a trophy for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do that. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a crazy night too. Like you just add that into the mix. Oh, so when Charlotte won, okay, I remember this now. I'm just trying to yeah. piece this together. When Charlotte beat you guys in Chicago, that was when Ned was still with them, right? Yes. And yeah. We, we were, yeah, we were affiliated with Vegas that year. Yeah. That was yeah. Like essentially the last year because the COVID year broke in March. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So now I'm putting it all together. Yeah, man, that's, uh, I don't know, that's a wild run. But like you said, it's, it's kind of cool when you do win it, like, when you go to win it, like I don't think unless you've done it before and you you know you're fucking Pat Maroon and you win three three in a row, like <laughs> like everybody else, you're like holy shit. Like I think there's that surreal moment, and you hear this from everybody, whether you know in any sport, uh, you kind of pinch yourself and you go like, is this real? Like is this? And you you almost don't even get to soak into like the celebration, like oh my god, like we won, we did it. You're kind of just looking at yourself, thinking like, does this is this for real? Like I can't believe it. After all. X amount of years, how long you've been doing this? You know, I was able, like, we were able to fucking pull this off, and now we're lifting cup and we're spraying champagne in the fucking locker room, <laughs> right? Yeah, There's nothing better. Um, 
but no man that's in, that's incredible i was i was really excited for you and like like you said when i was watching we couldn't figure out because we were like man they keep switching goalies like i think you're just gonna go to one guy and let him get hot but obviously that whatever it was that worked on and off on again so that way you could get a little bit of rest and then you give him fresh right mm-hmm. then lions chopping at the bit kochekov wins a game all right fuck i want to go win a game right yeah, yeah. So, that's a yeah, good Al- little i mean yeah alex was on a heater like a real heater yeah uh, going through in through that milwaukee series yeah we were in the milwaukee series and uh peter comes back and they they like have to give him a game and puts up a shutout or i think i think it was a shutout that game that he plays and that's like wow like okay here we go back to business yeah. Um, but then we get to the finals and that final game, our head coach is like, no, we, like we have to give it to Alex. Like he, yeah. he's done so much for us all year. Yeah. Like you have to give it to him. Yeah. And you, like you, you, he couldn't have asked for a better game. Yeah. I, I, I think it was four zero that final game or something like that. I can't remember, but okay, it, it was a shutout for sure. But like, you couldn't ask for a better game for him. I put yeah. you know, a little bit of an icing on the cake, if you will, for him. Was it pretty cool for you to see him go and play as well as he did in Florida? Yeah, I mean, it was great. I mean, you always, especially here, because we see so much turnover with through players, mm-hmm. through the Wolves, that whenever guys leave and they go to the, the NHL and you see them up there, and you, you wish them nothing but the best and you want to see them succeed no matter what. I mean, you put that as like, um, you just put that as like another thing that you can be proud of in a way. Yeah. Because you were able, you were able to, you know, essentially service him and yeah. anything he needed. But then he goes to the NHL and it's great to see the, him do well, yeah. just like anybody else do well. But to, for him to be there right at the end to go into playoffs and then to go through playoffs and go to the finals is huge. Yeah. But, yeah I mean, we all, we all know how good Alex can be and how yeah. good he is. So. No, it's exciting. Um, but I wanted to ask, Another thing, equipment-wise, you know, the AHL staff is not nearly as big as, like, an NHL staff. I don't think some people realize that. And when you get in the coast, it's even less help. Where, like, it's just you, and it was Lester, you and Lester running that uh, the equipment side for the Chicago Wolves. So a lot of people see, like, in games when, like, a glove goes down, somebody runs, they hand it to a second or third guy, they run to the back of the room, they go sew it up, or they go get another one, or shit pamphlet, like, anything, any of those in-game fixes – there's a lot of people that can help out, right? And like your head guy typically doesn't have to leave the bench unless it's something he specializes in. Or, you know, the Vegas, you got two guys on the bench. Like the NHL is different. For the AHL, did you have any crazy in game fixes that you like really remember that were like a little bit maybe of a panic? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's add this one to a crazy moment during the season. And if anyone was this year show- or last year? What's that? Was this just this past season or the year before? The year before. Okay. The Calder Cup run year. So I forget what game it was. It was early, I'm pretty sure. Or maybe it was, yeah, it was pretty early. So um, Stefan Nason is on the bench and he's having kind of a rough start to the game and uh, comes off the shift, slams the door, hauls off and kicks the door. And no one really thought anything of it, but he looks down and uh, turns around and wiggles his toes through his toe cap at me (laughs) on the bench with like a minute left in the first period. And here I am panicking. I'm like, oh, no, I know he doesn't have his backup skates because I think he took them out of his bag when we were packing to come here like he didn't need them. It was like a quick there and back sort of situation. It was weird. 
Yeah. So he doesn't have skates. And so all of a sudden, here we are going into the locker room and I'm telling our head coach, like, I'm going to do whatever I can, but <laughs> I don't really know what we're going to do here to yeah. kind of get him through. Um, so me and Lester spent the entire intermission and I think five minutes into the next period trying to piece together to hold his toe cap together. And it ended up working where the uh, George's glue was settling and it was not going to move. So it held together with everything we had on that thing and literally got him through. But I think to be honest, like that had to have been the craziest moment because in like in that situation through your head, you're like, when those things come off, they don't go back on. No, he's done. His game's over. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the skates are done. So you're, you're just kind of racing through your head. You don't know what you're going to do, but you know, you have to do something. Mm -hmm. So in those situations, obviously you don't have as many resources as you do like in the NHL. And, And again, I don't even know what you would do up there. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, it's it, that's probably one of the toughest things to deal with is like toe cap stuff. Um, but um, yeah, just in that moment, you don't know what you're going to do. No. Yeah, it's uh, and it's one of those things too. Like the coach doesn't give a shit whether or not it's his problem or it's his fault or your fault. Where obviously in this case, you don't be fucking kicking the door and you have a toe cap <laughs> and you keep playing the game, right? Like that's yeah. from an equipment side, that's what you say. But the coach looks at you and say, hey, he's fucking, he's got to go. So whatever yeah. it takes. And then you look at him and you can't tell him no, because one, you're not going to explain to him, hey, this is an impossible quick fix. <laughs> and two, he doesn't give a shit. He needs his guys, right? Like, you know, whether that guy puts up 20 minutes and takes all their face-offs or he's a power play specialist, like you just, we can't afford to have him not in the lineup. But my question, so did he shatter the toe cap or did it fall off into one piece? It shattered. So just the, the front face of the toe cap. So what did shattered. you what did you cover it with and then glue down? So we had um, we had Kydex and we were cutting it to a certain shape to kind of like get it together. Like yeah. we had like, there was like a, a like a slit of it, kind of like almost looked like a almost like a handle. Kind of we we're kind of sticking that underneath to kind of see if it'll hold and had that on there. And nothing we could do was going to keep that like piece of Kydex on. It just wouldn't stay Yeah. no matter what we were trying. And I, I think even that fell off during the game when we went back out once or twice, but the toe cap itself held together. Yeah. Like it, it was split and you could see his toes, but there wasn't like, wasn't missing plastic. If that, if, if that makes sense, it just kind of looked like a window shatter, <laughs> you know, kind of like a cracked egg in a, in a, in a way. Whatever you do, bud, just don't block shots. <laughs> oh, it, it was tough, and it's it's even tougher in that situation. He's one of our top three players, top three, four players, power play guy, penalty kill guy. He's everything. Yeah, he's everything for us, and he he was one of our he was literally one of our best players all year long. Yeah. So in that sense, yeah, like you said, you can't tell your coach no, and you don't want to, but then you're like, well, crap. I got to think of something now. Like I have to do this. There is no, there is no, maybe I'll do it. There is no, uh, maybe I can get it together. Well, there is no, we'll see. Yeah. You just have to do it. <laughs> just do, just do. Yeah. Um, to change gears here a little bit, I wanted to learn more about you personally. And I've always like admired your shoe game because you always wear like Nike SB type stuff, you know, skis and all those. And when you skate or you wear skateboard shoes, you kind of like, I have an eye for that stuff. Um, but then I was creeping through your Instagram as I always do. Uh, and I saw you have clips like you actually did skate. 
Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I love skateboarding ever since I was little. Um, I just remember like there's, there's like this goofy movie. I forget what it was called. Um, like skateboard kid or something. And it was like this like weird, like magical skateboard. It, it was, it's one of the goofiest movies ever. This was way early nineties, but I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So I like skateboarding ever since I was little. And so um, I had a skateboard. I didn't skateboard too much. And then grade school came around and we had two kids move into town um, actually across the, like kind of like kitty corner for me. And they were big into skateboarding and all of a sudden it like re-sparked this whole thing for me. So from like grade school all the way till, I don't know, junior year, senior year, high school, I was like skating every day with these guys and um, really just having the time of my life. Cause I loved it. I thought it was so cool. And yeah, um, I always had a lot of fun with it. Like I, I don't get to, obviously I don't get to do it much now, but um, it's something that I still like, I keep up with whether it's on Instagram or uh, YouTube videos, kind of things like that. Like I, I kind of keep up with that stuff. Now <laughs> I looked up the skateboard kid that got a 2.8 out of 10 on IMDb and a, yeah. and a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's something I got to go see. Yeah. Um, it, it It's super goofy, but it's hysterical. Like the skateboard gets like struck by lightning in the garage and the, the face of it like comes to life. It talks. <laughs> You're, you'll you'll love it with how bad it is, but it, it it was great at the time being a little kid. Oh yeah. Um. So have you been keeping up with uh, Tony Hawk and his last tricks and stuff? Yeah, I mean he's been doing a bunch of stuff. Like he's doing uh, some recovery commercial that's been floating around and stuff. Really? And yeah, he's been a huge advocate for. Um, he's been a huge advocate for all this new stuff coming to vert and coming to street. There's these these younger kids, man. Holy cow! The, the like the imagination that we had growing up doing skateboarding and like just trying to do whatever, being cool and whatever. It's not even close to some of the stuff you see now because yeah. Instagram's so quick, TikTok is so quick. These little clips, like there's stuff that people are doing that like you can't even like really. You're you're just sitting there like, how do you think of that? Yeah. How does that come to be? And he's been a huge advocate for it, especially with um, they have this kind of competition. It's almost like a tour, um, street league. Street league, yeah. Deer Deck they go, Yeah, they go city to city, and different skaters kind of do it in and out um, throughout each city and stuff. So some skaters will be in Chicago, some won't. Some will be in Kansas City, some won't. Um, things like that. And then they had uh, they just had SLS Tokyo, I think, last weekend. Yeah. Look. Yeah. It looks like it. Yeah. So like, and then especially like even on the girl side, like there's, there's some really cool stuff going on there too. Like they're really good. Well, I think too, it's one of those things like, not that we're old, but we're old. Um, like you look at hockey and you look at the athlete today, it's so different than where it was when you started working oh, yeah. in this. Like when you started in pro hockey, the athlete and what they're able to do and like the talent level shot, like release, like all those little things you talk about skating, it's so different now. And I think that's, it's, it's the same across all, all, all sports. It's the landscape of having that younger, more information. You're getting to see more shit. You can see stuff early on, which just accelerates your, you know, your jump into, uh, to advancing yourself. So I didn't realize you were that into it though, man. That's sick. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a big part of childhood. Like, so again, like I didn't have my brother living at home. Yeah. 
he, he has his own life already by the time that happens. So I, I was just kind of interested in what I liked at home and what I kind of did on my own time. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the big things that we talk about, you and I talk about personally, is a lot of TV and movies and shit like that. Um, a show that we talked about, I don't think, you know, like I, I think when people, you know, would typecast me, I'm probably the shortest guy because that was big for a while and season two is coming out, which I really liked. But Ted Lasso something I think I don't think we talk a lot about here. I don't know. Do we, Painter? <laughs> Give me a head shake if you think we talk Not, about Ted Lasso. We don't really talk about it because I don't think Ricks or Moiser watch it. Yeah. Not I'm as like much halfway as halfway through it. Incredible show. But Ted Lasso has some like unbelievable themes. Thanks, Painter. Unbelievable themes. Uh I'm actually working on getting a, a tattoo drawn up with the Kitsugi thing with that oh, that that gold lining and i was trying to think how do i incorporate this i'm not going to put a teacup or a dish on my body um, <laughs> and it's kind of corny but uh once it comes out i'll definitely send pics and i'll talk to you a little bit more off air about it but i think it's going to be sweet i haven't seen drawing for it yet but uh what's one of the favorite parts or what's one of your favorite maybe episodes or things that come up or common themes or you know their bits that you love from ted lasso so i mean it's tough. So I always, I've always kind of tried to stay like a positive mindset, like growing up and through, even through like the tough times when I wasn't in hockey and kind of had to go job to job, you kind of just have to keep yourself positive. So I kind of had that mindset a little bit, but people were like, Oh, have you seen the show? Have you seen the show? My brother even was like, have you seen Ted Lasso? And I'm like, no, I don't even know what that is. And like, just hearing the name at the time, I didn't know what it was. Yeah. I had no idea. It didn't really interest me, but I came upon it just through scrolling through Apple TV on my own. The absolute favorite scene, and this is probably a favorite for a lot of people, and really because it resonates with me, but it resonates with a lot of people too, is the dart scene in the first season. Yeah. At the bar, you know, being, you know, curious and not judgmental and really trying to keep a level head and, and be continue to be yourself and not get bothered by, you know, people that might, uh, you know, throw some negativity your way, but it, it just, they set it up so well because at, to that point, you know, all these people have all these doubts in him. I mean, the owner even is setting the team up to fail. Yeah. Slap shot. Right. So he's, he's coming in and, goes against the former owner, ex-husband, and basically shuts him out completely. But the quote, the setup, that whole scene, I don't know, for whatever reason, that really that's really my favorite of the whole show. Yeah, and then uh, what is, I, I can't remember it offhand, but he's like, you know, and no one ever asked me, hey, Ted, do you like to play darts? And I would answer yeah. yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, like he's a wanker. He's a, what we would call a putz or a dickhead, but you know, everybody calls him a wanker and uh, a wanka. And uh, you just assume like he's incapable. There's a lot on the line and it's that turning point too, right? Like in a, in good writing and a good show where like things, things are what they are. It's pretty stagnant. And he's so, he's trying so hard that whole season to win over Rebecca you know, the, right. the, what, what do they call them? Biscuits. But like, he makes her the cookies every morning and he thinks yeah. she thinks he gets them from a shop. He doesn't, he hand bakes them, which is like, cause <laughs> I think that's in the last episode too. And you're like, Holy shit. He does this all at home and he yeah. found an excuse to come in and get 
close with her and talk and like yeah. just try to break down that wall. Um, but yeah, when he hits that with the darts and then she turns and she goes, Oh, this guy's like, he's riding with me now. And like now she, her wall comes down. She's like, okay, like we're going to try and do this. We're going to take yeah. a run. Um, what are your thoughts on things ending? Do you think there should be more? Or are you, what are you, cause there's a, there's a big divide up on what, like everybody always wants more. Right. Yeah. I, I know we talked about it, like text back and forth and it was funny. Cause I kind of brought it up. Like, you know, are they setting it up to send him home? Is he yeah. going to go just back home? Like, is this kind of just end where it started yeah. kind of thing in, in a way it does. And I find it okay. It's fine. Like I get it, but to the, to the selfish viewer, of course, I want more. I want yep. more of Ted Lasso. I want more stories, all this stuff. But you, but you understand too, at the same point, just like hockey, um, because of the, like, th that's one thing I do compliment the show on a lot is how well they capture the sports and the locker room aspect of things. Yep. Be because you want, if you watch it as like, being an equipment guy or a hockey player, you pick up on all these little things that they shoot extremely well. Like he locks in and, and talks about how um, he enjoys the smell of the locker room. Now everyone knows locker rooms don't smell great, but again, like it's all these little like tiny things that you notice that really they capture like sports, like that kind of uh, thing. Well, um, but uh I would rather, like, I would like to see more of it. But again, just like in, like we know in hockey, coaches don't last forever. Yeah. And you, you don't really think of that because why would you, obviously? But it's one of those things where, yeah, coaches don't last forever. I mean, it's two, three, four years, maybe if you're lucky, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, like I, I don't know. I think that they they did a good job at ending it where it was, but I would I would hope at some point they bring it back. Yeah, maybe not with the same cast because you can't really. It would be goofy going three four years down the line and going, "Hey, Ted Lass is coming back with all, the whole original cast." But anyone who knows sports, like that, just doesn't happen. Yeah, you're thinking these players are super old now. Like that doesn't. That's not gonna work. Yeah. So it, you have to find a way to recraft it and bring the same energy the same vibe the same tone but with all oh, the the clubs rebuilt it's 10 years down the road the clubs you know we're this good we're always top two and like now you have to have you have to create problems too yeah. right so where are your problems and that's that's the one thing that i liked about this was it wasn't this sunny hollywood soft shit ending where like Everything worked out. Ted won championship. They win the league. He gets re-signed back. His kids move out there. You know, there's got to be some sandpaper to it. There's got to be a little grit where, like, not everything, you know, like in life works out exactly the way we want it. But there's, yeah. you know, a silver lining on everything. Ted goes home. He gets to, you know, be with his kid. And I don't really understand the wife thing. Like, did they hint that they got back together? I don't know. The way that the way that his wife opens the door and he's got his bags with him and he's kind of coming home sort of thing. Makes me kind of feel like yes in a yeah. way, but that was always a thing that I never understood because they didn't, they didn't want to. You could tell that they didn't want to touch too much on it because they didn't no. want to focus from the the real focus of the show. Yeah. So they kind of keep it mellow through, like even through the first season, like when he's dealing with you know the pains of divorce and the paper signing, and um, I think it's season two or three where he finds out about you know his wife, the doctor, the doctor, right? Yeah. So you're kind of going through these things and you're just like, okay, 
it, it keeps it at bay, which is fine. But then, like you said, when you get to the end, you really don't know. And I, I don't know, maybe like maybe leave that as an open-ended question, I yeah. guess. To viewers, you kind of decide for yourself. Well, they kind of least... say the one thing I absolutely don't like, didn't like about the last season, because to me, it, it just almost served no purpose, was, um, oh my gosh, what was the player that they ended up picking up? Oh, uh, he was supposed to be like Zinedine or whatever, right? And like yeah. he had like the avocados and he was like, he was their messy, right? Yeah, right. But like it just didn't, I don't know, it didn't really go anywhere. It was kind of just like this goofy mini arc within the season. Um, like a distraction almost. Yeah, right. To kind of like fill an episode or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe they needed to buy for time. But going back to like the 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 white ex-wife or wife thing and his son, I think you were right, though, because <clears throat> that the theme there between family and son, it developed from he's going through the divorce and he's having anxiety to between the second and third season. It shifted compl- completely on his son. And that's where I think that lands is uh, he comes back and he's coaching his kid's team. Like you want to talk about there probably isn't a better feeling for him being able to be right there. And, you know, not that he's going to be pro, but help him figure out whatever it is with the game and being a, being a kid and growing up and being a man. So I don't know. Uh, What are your thoughts on coach beard in that episode and his little run? Everyone hated that. I thought it was funny. It was, I think it was a little corny and cheesy to be honest, but. Are you, are you talking about the, the his solo episode? Yeah. <laughs> so here, here's something I will say. In season three, when you find out what his real backstory is, because yeah. I'm not going to go that far and spoil it for anyone who doesn't hasn't seen it or interested in seeing it. When you truly find out his backstory, y- in a way you almost wish you would have learned it then. But then when you think back, now it all makes sense. So the people that didn't like that episode initially – if you watch it, like once you see that at the end in the last season, you kind of think back and you're like, okay, like that makes it way better. Cause now you understand where all this comes from, like all the weird, you know, uh, occurrences that happened throughout that episode. Yeah. Or how well he knows the driver and how the driver's like, what does he say? He's always stoned or something, their bus driver or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Or like the guy who like runs like the underground door to get into the arena. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like he has all those ends, but uh, no, that's good. And then the other thing I want to talk about um, was uh, not Surf's Up, but uh, The Bear. Yes. That was an incredible episode. And I think the one when I was rushing through to finish it, because it was one of those where I started it and then I needed to like get through it was the Christmas episode. And I, I, I looked on Twitter and I was seeing what everyone was saying. And I was late because I just didn't watch it right when it came out. But when you looked back at The Bear and what, they did with that Christmas episode. Not everything is that extreme. And I guess, like you said, I don't want to give away spoilers. Um, mm-hmm. But I think for a lot of people, based on what I saw online and what I felt myself is like, there's hints and themes in there that you can relate to. Like, fuck, I remember when I felt something like this mm-hmm. in my Christmas and your skin kind of tingles, you get a little anxious, you feel a little panic, like, fuck, I remember exactly what happened in this, this, and this. And when they came over and they weren't, they wouldn't shut up and they started shit. Like a lot of people I think are able to relate to that. And I think it was just very well done, especially the bear, all those special guests they bring in 
I think a lot yeah. of F- FX shows, like I watch Atlanta, the the amount of people they bring in, like Liam Neeson, when he turns out to be a closeted racist in Amsterdam, <laughs> hysterical. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the bear, the, the the staff they bring in, what's her name? Um, Jamie Lee Curtis playing the mom was fucking yes. fantastic. I, it was it was great. I mean, what's funny enough is when you think about it, like she's perfect for that like situation because oh, chaotic. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but you think about like all of her. Uh, moments in uh, the Halloween series, like yeah. all the Halloween movies, Michael Meyer movies, how drastic her her behavior becomes and her emotions, and you know she's she's stone cold one second, she's hor- horrified the next. Like for that situation in the bear, it really like she was great in that whole episode. But it, I mean, honest, honestly, for me, it was it was not easy to watch. Yeah. So me and my girlfriend are we're watching it and she's like, yeah, she's like, I totally relate to this because you know, she's really, she's big Italian and her family was like, just like that ton, like tons of course meals and there's all this prep and it's chaos. Tons of people. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tons and the whole thing. So she's like really relating to it. And I might not just because my family's not that big. So like growing up, we had our family, uh, had family holidays and stuff and there's a little chaos but it's just more more because like our house like everyone's house was tiny right like we didn't have like a big nobody had a big house to have like host uh yeah 30 people 40 people whatever so that's where more of it came from but um that was like a it's a real emotional ride if you're not ready for something like that i like yeah yeah like like growing up like I mean, you grow up, everyone's parents fight and stuff. So like, even for me, that was like a little tough to, to feel, but once you get through the episode, it, it all makes sense as to like why, and like really, um, really as to like how to handle that. Yeah. Well that, and that's where I related to like their sister a lot because I couldn't understand it at the beginning of the episode, why everything was so like, you know, you could tell there was anxiety on everything through that episode with the sister. Like, how yeah. are we going to approach this? How are we going to, because, um, fuck is, is the Jordan, is Jordan the older brother's name? I can't remember the older brother though, kind of blows everything off. Carmi's fighting to like, <clears throat> he's home. He wants respect. He wants everybody to recognize like, Hey, like I came back, like at least acknowledge and, and you know, everyone gives him shit like, Oh, you're such a like big time. You're no, you're a, what's this? How many stars chef, blah, blah. And he was at that point, I think from what you look back on and all these relationships that he used to send his people to, I think at that point he was doing pretty well, but everyone kind of like downplays it. Like, Oh, cool. Carmi, you're back. Like we don't like awesome. We're, you're just here. No big deal. Um, so I related a lot to her because it seemed like she had to take the brunt of it. And then Carmi's trying to figure out how to like help. But obviously when things get to like the, a boiling point where they explode, you there's, there's nothing anyone's going to do to save it and the fishes. So oh, God. Uh, um, I was going to ask uh, about the bear though. Um, favorite character. Um, him. Carmi. Yeah. Carmi. Like it, it has to be because you can relate. Like a lot of people, uh, my girlfriend loved season two because her favorite character was cousin. Really? Yeah, so she 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 was like that was his it was his season huge like turn for him, huh? Huge turn for him. Oh yeah, huge. So like for her, she loved that. But I, I just I'm such a huge Carmi fan, but I'm a little biased only because I watch Shameless. Oh, so, okay. So so with 
him and Shameless and him in this show, both of the shows being in Chicago, kind of like the same type of character, right? The rough around the edges, um, kind of underdog situation. It's really, really similar to what he plays in Shameless. Yeah. And I always enjoyed that. So to see more of it in a way, right? Different, different completely different story, but uh, yeah, he's my favorite character for sure. I think the uncle Oliver Platt is hilarious. Like you want to talk about a guy that looks so Chicago, just like a <laughs> thick fat guy, like, you know, has the money and just fucking lays in you and tells you how it is. I think he's great. Bernthal's good. But the one person who totally took a turn for me, because like you want to talk about eating one and wearing it is uh, their, uh, her name is, oh, it's sugar. So the sister's husband, I think they're married Pete. Yes. Like Pete, Pete couldn't be more fucking irrelevant in first season. Like this guy's <laughs> like, just this guy's a schlub. He's a, not a bum, but he's just like a cornball. This guy's uh soft. This guy's irrelevant. Like you would just like in real life, I'd probably like, if this guy's giving me a hard time, like you, you'd be annoying at this point. Right. Like if he's yeah. around, I'd be annoyed at him. But then in the last season and what is it? I don't know if they divvied it up into the last two episodes or if it's the last one, it's gotta be the last one. But in the last one, when he wears that with the family and like, and then just keeps his mouth shut and like, she's like, Oh, yeah. like every, and he's they're like, what's wrong? And he's like, no, like this is just an incredible moment. Uh, it's like, it's really cool to see, you know, the restaurant and, you know, everything, you know, as it's going, it's like, this is just so cool and it's overwhelming. I'm like, Oh man, like this guy, <laughs> like an, an irrelevant character just took a turning point. And I thought, uh, the development there and just having to wear that and becoming, uh, I know it takes a lot to, to hear the news that you have and the deal with something and then not fuck up everybody else's night. Right. Yes. Like to eat that on your own is it's not easy. So, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. I like, I look at this cast and it's just so good. Like when they had Alex Moffat from SNL doing hair, is he doing heroin or meth in the parking lot? Uh, yes. Yes. In the back of the restaurant. You're saying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they're like, you and saw they, how they he was walk, cutting. And they don't make and sense. Like, they're like, where, where is so-and-so? And there's like, yeah, he's um, in the back doing drugs. Like, uh, do we fire him? <laughs> like yes, everyone's yes. confused in the moment. Like, what do you do? Like, do we fire him? Does, does, you know, like, do we have, do we have like, do we have room to be able to like cover his spot? Like, what are we going to do? And they're like, yeah, no, fire him. <laughs> oh man. So I guess I don't want to give away too much of the ending. Cause we tried to talk about how, like back when I worked at KFC, when I was in uh, high school and going into college, like you could never get stuck in the way that they did because one, it wouldn't be code, but two, like you have to have in and outs in both ways. Cause you're not going to get stuck in there. But uh, I guess I don't, you know, for anyone that's trying to watch the bear right now, I don't want to spoil it, but, uh, or maybe we can just say spoiler alert. So maybe turn this off. Cause this is pretty much the end of the episode. Cause I've kept you kept you for way too long. That's right. Um, but spoiler alert at the end of the thing, when you get stuck in a cooler, you can't, you, that, this is the only gripe I had with the whole show. You can't get fucking stuck in a cooler because there's a pull on both sides or there's a punch trigger to release you and you get out. You could never actually get stuck in a cooler. So right. that's my only hole in this. And, the, you know, with everything, how they did uh, the first season where they're cooking and the, the kitchen's a disaster and this and this, like all those things are so dialed in because you have to talk to somebody that knew what a kitchen was like, right? 
yeah and how you know running a restaurant works so they had they, they had to have said something where like this will never pass in terms of context and this be true and have continuity to like real world because anybody watching this like you me or your you know girlfriend at the like this doesn't happen so that was that was frustrating for me yeah it's it's hysterical actually because because so my girlfriend worked at jewel for a long time in the bakery and it was like the first thing she says right like as soon as that happens and we both realize that like he's stuck in the fridge and my girlfriend just kind of looks at me like yeah like that's that doesn't happen like that's not real yeah. like <laughs> like there's always something to get you out like there's another handle on the other side yeah yeah so <laughs> huge plot hole and a huge episode but if I, you talk about getting two great seasons of so, well, I'll fucking yeah. I'll eat that one I guess well I you you gotta think too like they're not stupid right like yeah. the way that they've set this whole uh you know Chicago beef shop uh restaurant and show up they're not dumb yeah for them to do that it almost leaves it on like a goofy I don't know like a goofy note that you're gonna talk about right yeah. for, so for them it's like extra exposure yeah. in a way yeah, because Which even negative because, press or negative tweets turns into press, right? Right, exactly. So now you get people talking about it because it was good, but then you get the extra. It's fine. You know, people deal with that. That's fine. Um, um Yeah, no, absolutely. I was going to ask, uh, do you, well, I have a recommendation. I was going to ask if you have any recommendations for things to watch or things to see. Um, let me Google it. I don't have it. My fiance sent it to me, so maybe I can look it up on my texts because i'm such a smart guy um theater camp i saw it twice in theaters once by myself and once with my fiance yeah i'm like i'm like <laughs> that in the movies where i'll go see it. i haven't seen barbie and i haven't seen oppenheimer but i went and saw theater camp because it was a small indie movie they used only tiktok basically to help advertise it and it was in limited release and i think it's gone from theaters but uh, mm -hmm. september 14th theater camp is going to hulu and two of the stars in that movie are from um, Molly Gordon. She's in this. And then Ayo Edabiri. Uh, They're yeah. both from The Bear. They're in this. And then Ben Platt. He was in Pitch Perfect. Jimmy Tatro. You probably know him from doing all his you know, frat stuff on top of his other movies that he's snuck himself into. And then Patty Harrison's in it. And that I thought was really funny because she's in <laughs> I Think You Should Leave. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a couple of those skits with I think you should leave. So she's really funny. Uh, but Theater Camp is my recommendation. It's a movie. It's not too long. It's like maybe two hours or something like that. But I thought it was really funny. Yeah. And I'm not actually, a theater kid by any means. <laughs> so I, I can't talk too much. I haven't seen many movies. I think the last movie I think I went to go see was um what was it? Oh, I mean we I guess we just saw the red door. It's the insidious movie. You have you seen all the Insidious movies? Yeah, I have. I, I, I think they're fun. They're so funny, man. Yeah. <laughs> when but, they talk but it's, about, it's definitely one of the movies you have to see in the theater, though. Oh yeah, to make it scary. Yeah. Home's not the same because you don't get the sound. The and that's what I said. Like seeing movies in theaters is so different than being home. Yeah. Um, what was I going to tell you? The fuck. <laughs> we always watched it in school when we were at Michigan State because they were all on Netflix at the time. But the biggest joke was like, what did they call it? Astro Astro surfing. Yeah. Yeah. Like there, there had to have been a better name for us to call like whatever their, you know, the medium was, but we would always talk about Astro surfing all the time and how we <laughs> try to get into the other side. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then as far as like recommendations, I actually have two. So they're both on Amazon prime. 
Okay. One is called Utopia. Okay. So this show was horribly received because it came out during COVID. And it's about a uh, it's about a comic that a group of kids are trying to like search for the first one or the second one Fair. because it correctly predicts pandemics and like disease outbreaks and all this stuff. Um, so I, I mean, obviously, it's terribly received over. Yeah. over, over. But, <laughs> good but there's like a lot of, Yeah, but there's a lot of good actors in it. It's only like ten episodes. And it's actually really like raw. Like it's not a goofy like Marvel thing. Like there's some like there's some grit to it. Yeah. Uh, and there's some like kind of crazy stuff. And a few, uh, not a few. Most of it was shot in Chicago. Okay. So that was kind of another bonus for me. And then the second one, they're not doing a second season of, which is kind of a bummer because I enjoyed it a lot. It's called Panic which is about like this really tiny town that no one seems to be able to get out of. Dude, we were talking about this, weren't we? Maybe. I think I sent you the TikTok. I I've watched like I've watched basically what you call an episode. Um what is it called? What is that on Amazon? Yeah, it's called it's called Panic with an exclamation point. But it's where they drove into like No. Is it? One of the episodes is it where you can't be out at night? No. Okay, so maybe so, so the- this so this one's really interesting because it's a small town. Everyone wants to make it out of the town, like kids yeah. in high school and stuff. There's this game that they play in your senior year, and it's called Panic. And you have to like basically sign in to say like, yes, I want to participate in this. And there's and it's through the summer, so there's different rounds. And each round you get so many points depending on how extreme you go. So like the first one, this isn't spoiling anything, but the first one's like they're just jumping off this like really high cliff and you get like a hundred points. So you can get 150 points if you jump from like the very, very tallest part of this cliff, which no one does. Except this, there's this, the main character, she's like this girl who, again, like she comes from nothing. She's like kind of the outcast kind of thing. And through a couple events in the first episode, she gets pushed like mentally so far that she's like, fuck it. Like, I'm just going for it. Yeah. And so she, she's like the only person to do it. And each round gets more and more extreme and it's more, it's like suspenseful every episode. There's something suspenseful about each episode. And it's really, really like, I I think it was a good watch. Like I enjoyed it. So good, man. I'll throw that on the list. Shout out to everybody else. If you, uh, if you are listening to this, grab your Amazon prime and, Give those a couple watches because Ryan knows shows. He doesn't know <laughs> surfs up quotes as well, but he definitely yeah. knows shows. <laughs> um, Ryan, I mean that's all I got for you. I I'm sorry this took so long, but thanks for hanging oh, out. Do you got yeah, uh, you got any questions for me or maybe even Painter there? But um, you don't have to know. have any. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Good. <laughs> Great, grand. Um. Ryan, good luck next season going up and uh, working with the Pens. Uh, we're really excited for you. If you ever need anything, you obviously you give us a shout. Um, we'll, maybe I'll see you in Chicago one last time before you get out of there. But, uh, I mean, with training camp being around the corner, it's probably a slim fittings here. But uh, I'm excited for you, man. So good luck. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for having the time and uh, taking the time to hang out with us. Painter, do you got anything? Are you good?
uh, show recommendation: Shrinking on Apple TV. What's that? Okay. Uh, it's with Harrison Ford, Jason Siegel. They, he's like a therapist trying to have a better connection with his daughter after some deep things, and Ford's like his uh, boss therapist, and he's in like a comedy role. It's super. It, it can get deep, but there's also some pretty good laughing points on it. It's on Apple TV. I think it's eight episodes. See, it's a pretty was, damn good show. There was one therapist therapist show. There was one therapist show that I was trying to get into that was awful. Is it the patient? Really? Or no, the shrink next door? No. Uh yeah. Shrinking's on Apple TV. I liked it. I saw it at the television academy. Their looking- Emmy's pitch. I don't think it was Will Ferrell. No, it was with um, was it with Steve Carell? Yeah, the patient. The patient. I tried to watch. I just I couldn't get into that one. But I'll t- I'll try shrinking. I'll put that down. Um, but the patient was with Steve Carell and some kid, and I think the kid was like a murderer. Finds oh. himself held prisoner by a serial killer who demands he help him curb his homicidal urges. So yeah, like this guy was a serial killer and Steve Carell has to deal with it or something. I watched like the first two episodes and just couldn't get into it. But this looks like it might be a little bit better shrinking on Apple TV. So it's not bad. Um, anything else, Painter? You good? Good. Good. Well, Ryan, like I said, good luck, man. Stay in touch and uh, I'll hopefully see you soon. All right. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks, awesome. buddy. Thank you.